0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see
1: Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we, that's me, Denise, Paul, and Joel, we're waiting for you. And we're glad that you've joined
0: us. Amen. Hey, guys. Hi, Dad. It's good to be with you. And I want to say thank you for teaching us about the Holy Spirit. Are you enjoying this? I really am. I really am. I think it's fun.
1: Well, tonight we're going to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. And, you know, when you become really sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you learn when you grieve Him. For example, yesterday I made just a, a statement, which wasn't, I mean, nothing really wrong, but I just was quenched in my spirit. And I just felt like, you know what? That, I, I shouldn't have said that. We need to learn to be sensitive to the one who lives inside us and learn not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power. We don't want him to be grieved. Mm. But I want you to order the whole series, which is called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo. So many people are responding to this series. I'm well, thankful.
2: Well, Rick, we need to know everything we can about the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, I really want everybody to get this. You can get it at renner.org or call us. And be sure to get the study guide that goes with it because it's free. It's 10 lessons. There's a whole Methodist church using this in their services right now. That just blessed my heart. And there's the whole book that goes with it. I've never taught it before. It's the first time I've taught the book. The back of the book says, there's nothing more miserable in defeating them than to be a Christian without really knowing the joy and power of the Holy Spirit. This book is designed to lead spiritually hungry people like you into a new place, a secret place that God has been waiting for you to find for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Amen. Maybe you know somebody else that's asking questions. This would answer their questions and it will lead them into that deeper place. And remember that if you need prayer about anything, it doesn't matter what it is, give us a call, send us an email. The moment we hear from you, literally, we're gonna begin praying for you. We will really put forward our faith. We know how to pray. And we will ask God to move on your behalf and he will.
0: Joel. I wanna start off tonight's home group with a story. Okay. Uh, We were gonna go on vacation. And it was uh, in December, and Mama, I believe Aunt Shula was going to go with us, and we purchased tickets, and we were going to go to Sri Lanka or some island around there. Well, I
1: have to say that Sri Lanka is not far from us. You know, when you live in Moscow, you're close to everything, and there were really awesome deals to Sri Lanka, so we as a family were going to go to Sri Lanka.
0: And so we, Dad and Mom, they bought all the tickets, and we were all going to go, and we had the dates set out, and we were going to have a really good time. Dad was researching the area, you know, which, what can you do down there? And we booked
1: the hotel. We did everything. Oh,
0: yeah, we were pretty excited. And I guess maybe a month, not, not long before the trip, yeah. you, you started saying, I don't think we should go. Do you, think, do you think we should go? I don't think we should go. I feel like we shouldn't go. Do you feel that? We were like, no, we think we should go. <laughs> and but, but I was feeling in
1: my heart, do not go to Sri Lanka. You should not go on
0: this trip. And so we all thought, you know, we should go. That's what we think. And, but Dad kept on saying, you know, maybe like for over a week. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Dad kept on saying, I don't think we should go, you know, I think we should cancel our trip and just stay home for the New Year holidays, for December holidays. And that's what we did. He sat us down. And he said, I don't think we should go, and I think we need to make a decision. so we're not going to go. And we called. Aunt Trula said, we're not going to go, so you need to cancel your tickets, too, and and we didn't go. We just sat home. Didn't know why. And that year was the terrible, terrible, terrible tsunami that just covered India, Sri Lanka, thousands. I think over 200,000 people died.
1: Yeah, that's right. True
0: tragedy. And God was saving us. And I'm sure God was speaking to many people. And I don't know, maybe there's other stories like ours. But I'm sure that if, if people had listened, their lives could have been saved.
1: Joel, actually, when, that day when we came home, We turned on the news. I was so stunned because of that massive tsunami. Mm -hmm. And the hotel that we were going to stay in was on the southeastern tip of Sri Lanka. It was wiped out. Everybody who was in that hole in that hotel was killed. If we had been there, today we'd be laying at the bottom of the sea. But because we listened, our lives were saved. Joel?
0: I just want to say, in our story, dad was the only one who heard. We all thought we should go and have a good time. You know, why not? But, you know, maybe you're the only one who actually heard the Holy Spirit say something. And that should be enough for those around you to follow suit. And I I just want to encourage you that if you're hearing a word from the Holy Spirit and you're the only one hearing it, that's okay. You need to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying and follow His leading.
1: That is so encouraging. Thank you, Joel. Amen. Denise?
2: Well, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So he's only going to tell you the truth. And as as Rick was saying, we have to learn to listen to him. Joel asked a question on the other home group. How do you just know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's you? And really, truly, it is by practice. And he will lead you. Like he might lead you in something small. But if you're obedient in something small and obedient, 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 then not only can you trust the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit can trust you Amen. that you're going to do what it is that he's telling you to do.
0: Yeah. You know so, what I'm, I'm also thinking about? Sometimes <laughs> we don't know we're even following the Holy Spirit. We're just making a logical decision and, you know, we think it's the right decision. But after the decision's been made and you did something, you realize that was not your decision. That was the leading that you just followed. Oh, my gosh. We can look back
1: on our story and see in retrospect so many things that God was leading. We weren't even really aware we were being led.
0: I'm thinking about one example is before the pandemic started, Dad, you wrote a book. You started writing a book. You finished the book. I did. Last Day's Survival Guide. And you wrote about in the future, in the last days, there will be pandemics. Pandemics. And we published that book. And bam, the pandemic hit. And the pandemic hit. And it was just
1: interesting. That book was right on time.
0: That book helped many people.
1: But tonight I want us to talk about not grieving the Holy Spirit. And we're going to begin in James chapter 4. So open your Bibles to James chapter 4, verse 4, where we have a very unusual verse. James is the pastor in Jerusalem. He's also the half-brother of Jesus. And he's writing to the believers, Jewish believers. And he calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Well, you have to remember the Jewish people were good, moral people, even before they were saved. And adultery, I mean, you could be stoned to death for committing adultery. So to call somebody an adulterer or an adulteress, it was like the most outlandish thing you could say to somebody. And I'm sure that when James' Jewish readers heard this, it was like somebody had slapped them. He calls them adulterers and Adulteresses. What's interesting is when you read that in the Greek text, it didn't say that. The original says, You adulteresses. Female. Because he's speaking to the bride of Christ. And the church, as the bride of Christ, has somehow begun to share its affection with something other than the Lord. And James actually says, This is the equivalent of spiritual adultery. Well, you know, adultery is a terrible thing. When Denise and I were first married we had a ministry to people who had been through divorce. We started a ministry called Starting Over. It was wonderful. But it was a hard ministry because it was people who feel like their hearts had been ripped out by somebody who had been unfaithful to them because of adultery. That's how the Holy Spirit feels. After all He's done for us, He indwells us, He seals us, produces the character of Christ in us, and then we become a friend of the world it's a kind of a spiritual adultery but what does that mean friend of the world because that's what the verse says the adulterers and adulteresses know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with god well the word friendship is the greek word philia i'm going to read you from my notes it describes friendship affection fondness or love it is an intense fondness that is developed by people who enjoy each other's company and become deeply involved with one another. Here, it conveys the idea of a friend that you love so much that you develop a real strong attraction to that friend, even a preoccupation. It involves attention, time, devotion, focus. And here, James uses this word friendship to tell us that the believers had become fixated on things in the world. Rather than be fixated on the Lord and in love with the Lord, they're thinking about the world. Well, wait, 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 wait. We're in the world. What does it mean, world? Well, the word world is the Greek word cosmos. And the word cosmos really means systems, fashion, society, which means these believers who were once really on fire for Jesus we're now beginning to be seduced and swallowed up by the things of the world and this process of seduction had progressed to the point of their being attracted to, consumed with, preoccupied with the world until now they were more in relationship with the world and their daily affairs than they were with Christ himself. Now we're in the world, we have jobs, we have to have things of the world, there's nothing wrong with that. I like to say God doesn't mind you having things in your hand. He minds when things get in your heart. That's a violation. And when we become so preoccupied with the world that it becomes our primary focus, that's when we have crossed a line that God calls spiritual adultery. Mm -hmm. That's a really strong statement. It's spiritual adultery. No, it correlates with the Ten Commandments. There's supposed to be no other Mm -hmm. God except for him. That's right.
2: That's good, Paul.
1: But the verse goes on to say, look at verse 4 again. Whosoever therefore will be our friend of the world is the enemy of God. But notice those two words, will be. They seem so insignificant, but it's a translation of the Greek word bulomai. The word bulomai means I counsel Mm -hmm. or I advise. Well, if you're kind of messed up and you need help, you go to a counselor who advises you. They counsel you. But in this case... It's the picture of people bulldo counseling themselves or they're talking themselves into believing that it's okay to do what they know they shouldn't do. Well, how do people backslide? Do people just wake up and say, I'm going to backslide today. I, today, am going to commit sin. No. When you're red hot for Jesus, you don't want to do that. But you begin speaking to yourself, convincing yourself, well, Maybe this isn't so bad. Other people do it. It takes place over a period of time as you kind of talk to yourself and counsel yourself into thinking it's okay to do what you would have never done before. And little by little, very slowly, very methodically, it's very seducing, you walk away from being red hot to being in a state where you're totally compromised. And the Bible says when you've done that, you have committed spiritual adultery. I'll give a real concrete example. Things you watch in movies. Things you watch on TV. When you were first baptized in the Holy Spirit, there were certain things you would never watch. You would say, I don't want to see that. That grieves the Lord. Sexual situations. Foul language. But let me ask you. Can you watch those things today with no conviction, not even being bothered about it? What's happened? You've walked from one position into another position. How did you get from there to here? Well, probably when you first heard those foul words, you thought, I shouldn't watch that. I shouldn't hear that. When you saw those wrong moral situations, you probably said, I'm not going to sit in this theater and look at that. But now you do. How did you go from here to there? Who am I? self-counseling, talking yourself into it, uh, quit being so strict, quit being so narrow-minded, and you walk from one position into another position, and unfortunately that's a description of the church today. The church has watched from, walked from Pentecostal power, power and fire into a state of negotiation and compromise, mm-hmm. and Jesus is against that, and James says, That when you do that, you have committed spiritual adultery. Now, if you've done it, don't be condemned. But it's time for you to make things right. You need to make things right. And we read in Ephesians 4, verse 30, that when we do this, it grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve Him. I don't. He lives in my life. His name is Holy. He is the Holy Spirit. And when we entertain things that are not holy... It grieves him. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. The word grieve is the word lupe. And just so you'll know how bad this is, it's where you get the word for lupus, a disease that is very, very painful. But here it is the word grieve, the Greek word lupe, which describes pain or grief. And it depicts... The shock, devastation, hurt, wounds, or grief that is felt by a spouse who has just learned that his spouse has committed adultery. It's amazing. Feeling betrayed, deceived, lied to, misled, hurt, wounded, abused, all of these portray the emotions of a spouse who has discovered that his or her mate has been unfaithful and that is the very word Paul uses in Ephesians 4 verse 30 to describe how we affect the indwelling Holy Spirit when we tend toward worldliness. It's like the Holy Spirit inside us says, what, what, how can you talk like that when you know that I'm in you? How can you do that after all that I've done for you? I mean, those are the very words we heard from all those people who went through divorce back in those years. They would say, after all I did for him, how how could he do this to me? After I've loved her and taken care of her, how could she do this to me? The same concept is used in this word, lupe, the word grieve. The Holy Spirit in us says, what, 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 what? Do, a, a, after all I've done in your life, how can you talk like this? How can you entertain that? How can you accomplish? Have you forgotten what I've done for you? It's pretty powerful, Denise.
2: You know, Rick, I remember you teaching on this course many years ago, on the word lupete, and I remember thinking that the Holy Spirit, he's a lover. He's a lover on the inside, just like That's what we're
1: going to look at tomorrow night.
2: Husband and wife, that's why it grieves her so much, or that's why it grieves him so much, that, that the spouse would commit adultery. Why? Because that spouse loves that spouse. Well, the Holy Spirit is the lover. If you think nobody loves you, it is so wrong. The Holy Spirit inside of you, he loves you so much. And that's the first time I really ever understood that, even a little bit, Rick, because of that teaching that he was the lover on the inside of me.
1: Well, when you go to Ephesians 4, Paul lists specifically things that cause the Holy Spirit to feel grieved. I mean, he gets real specific, so let's look at it. Ephesians 4, verse 25, they were lying. Being untruthful grieves the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you: is there any area of your life where you're not being truthful? That grieves him. He's the spirit of truth. In Ephesians 4 26, we find out that real anger issues, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's so contrary to his behavior. When you come to Ephesians 4.27, it says that we grieve Him when we make room for the devil in our life, to work in our life. In Ephesians 4.28, we grieve Him when we steal. That includes not giving our tithe and our offering. In Ephesians 4.29, it says we grieve Him when we allow corrupt communication to proceed out of our mouth. By the way, the corrupt communication, the Greek word sapros, It's not just dirty words. It's corrupt communication. It would include gossiping, anything that's corrupt. Then when you read Ephesians 4.31, Paul mentions bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. All of these things grieve the Holy Spirit. And what you find is the Holy Spirit in us, remember, your heart's not a hotel. He's not going to leave you. indwells you. But when your behavior is really bad, sometimes the Holy Spirit recedes pretty deep. This is what happens to churches where there's strife, where there's a fight in the church. The gifts of the Holy Spirit disappear. Where'd they go? The Holy Spirit has pulled back because the Holy Spirit is grieved. Oh my goodness, I need the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I do not want to grieve Him. And Holy Spirit, we ask You to forgive us for moments. When we've said things or thought things or done things that have grieved You, we do not want to grieve You. We don't. And it will help us if we just remember the first part of His name is? Holy. 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 He's the Holy Spirit. So if we want Him to feel comfortable in our lives and really manifest His presence, then we need to create an environment where he feels really at home, and the Holy Spirit feels comfortable where there is holiness. Paul,
3: Second Peter, <clears throat> First Peter, First Peter, Chapter Two, Verse Eleven says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul." We are holy and set aside for God, and we are supposed to be different. And it's so important to realize that we're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are. When we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and we talk about the, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's actually, with, I mean, He's in us. We need to consider His opinion. We need to consider His likes or dislikes. And over the past couple of days, we've been talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about how He reveals things to us. And our disobedience or our sin can grieve Him. And if he begins to retract or because of our sin or because of our unholy lifestyle, we don't experience the same communication. He doesn't leave us, but he may, may just recede a little bit. Recede. That because of our sin and unholy lifestyle, it will be more difficult for us to receive the revelation that we need, the knowledge that we need, or the leading that we need. And we need so much leading. There's so much guidance and leading that we need because the Bible doesn't tell us exactly who to marry, who not to marry. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what city to live in or not live in. It doesn't tell us exactly when to buy a house or a car or Or which house or car or where to work. It doesn't tell us specifically those things. But the Holy Spirit can lead us in those things. And by grieving the Holy Spirit, we're making it at least a lot more difficult for us to be able to hear those things.
1: Well, you know, in the 51st Psalm, David, David had grieved the Holy Spirit because he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And if you, were, if you read the words of Psalm 51, which is called David's Prayer of Repentance, he really is wooing the Holy Spirit. And I think that if you realize that you've done something wrong or that your behavior has been grievous to the Spirit of God, It's okay for you to intentionally read the 51st Psalm and pray it. David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I am so sorry. And if you realize, and and you know what? If you become really sensitive, you can recognize it in a moment. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. You can just say, I'm so sorry, Holy Spirit. But you have to become conscious of the Holy Spirit in you. Mindful of it. Mindful.
2: Denise, well, I'm thinking of him as a lover and in a <clears throat> relationship again and adultery a spouse against the spouse that when that spouse repents, he doesn't just or she doesn't just go, OK, well, I'm sorry I did that. But, you know, let's go on. No, if there's real restoration, that spouse says, I am so sorry. I, I was so wrong. I am so sorry. Could you please, please forgive me? There's a wooing.
1: It's heartfelt.
2: Of that person back into that relationship or fellowship. Because we have relationship with the Holy Spirit. But our grieving, it grieves our fellowship with him.
1: Well, we're almost out of time. But I want to read to you what we're going to cover tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we're going to go to James chapter 4. Verse 5, where James makes this amazing statement. Do you think the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwells in us? Well, who is that? The Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The spirit that dwells in us lusteth to envy. There are three powerful things in that verse. He says the spirit dwells in us. The spirit lusts and the Spirit has envy. What in the world does that mean? Well, according to the Bible, there's the lust of the Holy Spirit. There's the envy of the Holy Spirit. It's so important. You need to know what it means. And that's what we're going to talk about in Home Group tomorrow night. Sleep well. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.